If you're ready to create more wealth and success in your life than ever before, this podcast is for you. Robert Allen, New York Times bestselling author and real estate investing expert, has helped thousands of people learn how to accumulate wealth and multiply it quickly through real estate investing. If you're ready to move forward faster and create the wealth you've always dreamed about, then we have exactly what you need on No Money Down with Robert Allen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Wealth. And we have our amazing mentor, Robert Allen, in the house. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, excellent. Thank you very much, Marjorie. What are we going to talk about today? So today we're going to decide between two different types of properties. Not all properties are perfect, but we have the rental properties and also the flipping properties. Let's start with the rental properties. So for example, what's a rental property? A property is a residential piece of real estate. It could be a house, a single family home, a condominium, a townhome, a mobile home. These are where people live and you got to live in one of those or you'll live in you're going to live in the park, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't want to do that. You don't want to be homeless. You want to have something. And therefore, most people are used to that in their life. They've lived through various series of those kinds of things, an apartment building, etc. And, and therefore, they're used to it. Therefore, they're ready to be thinking of themselves not just as a renter or as an owner of a property, but as an owner who rents out to somebody else like they have been in their life. So that's the residential stuff. So it all starts with real estate. The decision you have to make is, do I want to hang on to it, continue to hold it, to handle the hassles of ownership, or do I want to flip it? And do I want to flip it even before I actually take title to it? They call that wholesaling. So we'll be talking about today what you should be doing. And repeat after me, I need to buy at least two properties a year. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me, I need to buy two properties a year for the next 10 years, and if I do so, I will retire wealthy. Now, so you're going to buy one and you're going to flip one. So what are some of the benefits that you have seen from holding rental properties? So what's happened over the last year? We've seen those people who bought properties and hung on to them have had their properties dramatically go up 50% in value. I mean, it's just explosion of growth. When is that going to end? Well, it, it will end Some, sometime in the next five years. This enormous demand will end. And at the, this time, it'll slow down. There'll be a softer marketplace. We'll call that a buyer's market. But the bottom line is, if you own that real estate and you have a chance for it to appreciate in value, you also get cash flow from it. You get tax benefits from it. You get equity buildup. It means you're paying off your mortgage over a period of time till eventually you hold it long enough that property mortgage is paid off to zero. And th that is when you have a cash flow property that's just pumping out cash like an oil well in your backyard, you know, just cash flow every single month. So renting and holding and watching that value increase requires some, some different strategies. It means you've got to learn how to rent it. You how to find the right kind of tenant because the tenants can literally destroy a property. They can cause you all kinds of hassles. So there are systems for how you find the right tenant, put that tenant in there in such a way that they, will, they won't want to destroy it. One of those techniques is a lease option, where you can say to the seller, would you like to own this property? You, you really want someone who would like to own it, because if they own it, they'll take care of it. If they're a renter, they don't care. You know, you own the property, they can leave in the middle of the night, create all kinds of hassle. But if you rent it out with a, with a 
a lease option, you're now leasing the property and now the tenant starts to feel like it's their property, like they really want to own it. Now, not all the time will the lease option actually be exercised where they'll get to the point after three, four, five years and uh, the property's increased in value and maybe they can't afford it. Or maybe they've moved in a different direction, but at least you've selected a person on the front end who is a potential owner. Therefore, you can charge them a little bit of a deposit on the front end, a higher deposit you can get from a, direct, uh, a regular tenant. You can get two or three, four, five times as much as a deposit. And you can say, uh, and we'll apply this to the eventual purchase price. If you don't buy it, then I'm going to keep your deposit. And maybe I'll, I won't keep the security deposit, but you know, in other words, if they're going to come you up can with it, with yeah, it's a negotiation exactly. Sometimes you can even say, well, "I'm going to charge you uh, higher than normal rent." You know, if it's fifteen hundred a month normally as a rental, you know, yours is going to be two thousand a month. You know, but five hundred of that is going to apply towards the eventual purchase price. So you get to use their cash now. If they don't exercise the, the unit, then you keep all the money anyway. If they do exercise the unit, then that five hundred uh, a month, six thousand a year, you throw into five years, that's thirty thousand dollars, would be deducted from the eventual purchase price. So the longer they stay there, the bigger incentive they have to buy it. So you have to fix the purchase price in the future. You you have to fix a price. You might say we'll get five appraisals or three appraisals at that time. And you'll be able, we'll, pay, we'll take the average of the three appraisals and you'll pay the average of those three appraisals and we'll apply the $30,000 that you've had, you've built up over a rental period of time towards the eventual purchase. So it's kind of like a discount, right? Mm -hmm. So in the, the, this, I'm, I'm just touching on this just <laughs> over the, the surface. There are lots of things you can change and negotiate in this, but what I was trying to do is solve the problem that people have when it comes to rentals, they're afraid that there's going to be that their wealth is at risk because of the way they selected the tenant. So I just gave you the solution there. There are a lot of other techniques that we can apply. The other option is, and I think you should be buying one and, and selling one, flipping one. You're going to flip one. Maybe it's more expensive than you could own. Maybe it's not in a neighborhood you would really like all that much. The ones you want to keep are the ones where you are going to be proud to have put that in your portfolio. Frankly, you should be probably buying and keeping two if you can and maybe <laughs> flipping one. But the flipping gives you immediate cash. For example, uh, just last week, one of my students, and remember, everybody thinks that the real estate market is, is so hot that you can't buy. Uh, that you can't pay retail for a property. Of course you can. It just requires more looking. So remember, you're only going to buy two this year anyway. So you got six months to look. Don't fret yourself over it. <laughs> just keep looking. You keep looking for that highly motivated seller. They kind of pop up constantly in a marketplace. People had never thought that they would ever sell. Will have something happen to them tomorrow that will immediately change their mind forever. It could be a divorce that got filed. It could be a health sickness. It could be a death in the family. It could be inheritance. There's all kinds of reasons why people need to sell. And therefore, you have to keep looking because you can be there on the, on the front edge, on the cutting edge. As soon as that person comes on the market, maybe they really don't understand the value of the property they have. They just 
made a decision on what they want to sell it for and you just show up at that time. Maybe it's a for sale by owner, maybe it's a realtor listed property. Bottom line is you got to keep looking and you're going to, you're going to find some property you really don't want to put in your portfolio. You don't want to own that one, but if you could make some quick money on it, yeah, I would do that. You know, so my student mm -hmm. found a property that was pretty much vacant. It was, oh. yeah, in a fairly nice neighborhood, a lower middle class neighborhood. But it was obvious that the seller wasn't living there. And it was obvious that it had been badly taken care of, that the neighbors were probably upset that this person, this property had been just sitting there and really destroying the view of well, this, this nice, houses, exactly. Yeah. It, it, there are other homes that were nice. And like I said, it's lower middle class. It wasn't the nicest neighborhood, but it was okay. And our student did a fancy little technique to get people to call to buy that house that they didn't own. Now, this is really, <laughs> really strange. How can you get somebody to call on a house you don't own? That's right. Is that even legal, though? I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's legal. You bet. You're going to say, if the seller wants to sell, then I'll take this offer to them. And if they will accept the offer, then, then you can win, right? Oh. Yeah. It's, see, there are just so many ways that are so unorthodox ways of getting a seller to sell when they didn't think they were going to sell, right? So the guy was not living in it. Guess who called on the ad? It was the owner across the street oh. who had been living across the one, maybe three or four houses down, right. but had been driving by this exact same property <laughs> the whole time. And when they noticed that there was a, a way to, that they might call the seller and, and, and inquire about the property, he says, yeah, I would be, I'd be willing to, to well, how much, how much is it? He said, well, how much do you think it's worth? What would you like to make me an offer? I, I'm really deciding whether I want to sell or not. And uh, he makes an offer that was substantially higher oh, wow. than what the, my student had determined. So he called the seller up on the phone and said, would you be willing to sell for this price lower than the price that had been offered across the street? <laughs> and the guy said, I'd take $27,000 less. Of course, he didn't know what the, what the offer was. The seller says, I want X. It was $27,000 less That's like than the owner permission. across the street was willing to offer. Oh, wow. And uh, so our student said, fine, I'll make it, I'll, I'll drop the contract. And if you'll sign that contract, I can get it, I can get the money in your hands quickly. Oh, wow. Well, a couple of weeks later, our student walks away with $27,000 in cash. The neighbor bought the property and is very happy with it. <laughs> the seller sold the property and is very happy with it. Everybody won. Now, how long did our student own that property? Not even like a He few, never owned it. Yeah. He never owned it. So one of the reasons that real estate people don't get installed in real estate is because they're playing the traditional retail game, which is find a property in a neighborhood you would live in, which is usually much higher than what other investment properties could be, save up enough money for the down payment. If you're an investor, you have to save 25% of the property. Have a great credit, have great job income, have a good financial statement. So you can qualify for a loan. That's the retail game. That's traditional. And this is what most people do. And that's why they're bidding up these properties. They're traditional buyers are fighting to buy properties 
from each other and bidding up the prices, which is just sheer, sheer lunacy. Instead of looking in neighborhoods where you may not want to buy or live yourself, but you could flip the property and make some quick cash. Talk about saving for a down payment. Don't save for a down payment. Earn the down payment. Earn it quickly, 90 days or less. In other words, if you want to get into the traditional game, you have to play an unorthodox game. So you flip property. Maybe you do this once a month. What if you could find one property? Well, maybe even once a quarter. Let's, let's be even more, more generous with your time. <laughs> let's do this once a quarter. Okay. So you find one property a quarter. You flip it and make 10, 15, 20, in this case, $27,000 cash. Cash, never having to have sh shared your your credit, credit yeah. your down payment, none of that. You didn't have to do any of that stuff. You made the quick cash. Now you do that once every quarter. It takes you a while to find those kind of deals. And then you say to yourself, let's see, $20,000, $25,000 a quarter. That's hundred grand a year. Do I really want this job I hate? Or do I want to just do this full time? So now I get into the business of flipping one a quarter. And then we're not talking about fixing up here. We're talking about just flipping. That's called wholesaling. That's called just, you know, moving moving from one bar to the other, to the, the seller, to the buyer, and making a profit in the meantime. Is that legal to do? Of course. Do you need a license to do that? No. No, no you don't. So you see how unorthodox I just taught you? And yet, most people, when they think of real estate, they, they have all these lies that they're misconceptions about what it really takes. And I can show you a dozen different unorthodox ways to find it and flip it or find it and keep it so that you can end up wealthy with real estate. That's what we're talking about today. And it's interesting that you mentioned uh, flipping, but not as in flipping the actual building. You can just flip the contract in this Exactly. Case. That's amazing. But a lot of people, even when they think of flipping, they, they misunderstand that concept, you know, because they're watching TV and all those flip and flop and all these <laughs> TV shows. There must be tw two dozen of them now. Yeah. Remember what it was like maybe 10 years ago when the first one came out, everybody's really excited. Now you got dozens and dozens of TV shows teaching the same lie. They're saying you got to come in and fix up a property and make it look beautiful. And yeah, maybe make it 50 grand, 100 grand on it. But, but look how much at, have you spent? Yeah, you spent yeah. a lot of money, you spent a lot of time and a lot of risk because sometimes you buy a property and you open up the wall and you find it's got black mold and all kinds of, you know, terrible situations. I would rather just, if you're going to flip it and you, and you need to take title to it, then take title to it so it's yours. And then do some cosmetic work, you know, minimal, a few thousand dollars. Don't spend a lot of money. Make it look better. Flip it to a flipper. <laughs> you wholesale it to a flipper. Make your five, make your ten. Let the flipper make the 50, making the 75. Let them make the big money. Therefore, you're, you're making quick cash. And you only would do that if, that if you've made that into your, like your job. This is my earning cash earning situation because long-term rentals, the cash flows are not good. You know, it's going to take a year, two years, five years until you're making three, $400 a month from that property, 500 a month. Unless you're using some unorthodox ways of turning a rental into a day rental or a week rental, or you're doing it with uh, um, Airbnb, maybe. Air Airbnb, exactly. There are a lot of really trick ways to get more cash flow from your real estate. Most people just do traditional renting, 
and therefore they end up with traditionally small cash flows or negative cash flows. So I'm just trying to get you to, to just finally come to the aha. <laughs> the way you've been thinking about real estate is not correct. Real estate millionaires don't do it that way. They, they don't fix and flip. Uh, you know, they, 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 they flip or they wholesale. They find people all across the country. There's all kinds of ways of finding out all kinds of software that you can get where you can literally have every property in the United States identified, whether that property is free and clear, which neighborhood it's located in, whether it's even vacant. You can find out if that property comparably to other properties next to it is below its price, what its fix-up value would be. Uh, if you did fix it up, would it be comparable to the things that have just been fixed up? And so there, there's uh, incredible software that you can get to do that. What I want to teach you through the systems that we teach, obviously, is how you use that software to identify well, at least one property every 90 days. And you, you might be looking for a week or two to find something that really just gets your blood boiling, you know, but I can guarantee you in 90 days, you're going to find something. And most realtors don't do these kinds of nationwide software programs. They only have a multiple listing service in their own community. But what if you had the multiple listing service for 50 communities in the United States? So you could scan all 50 of them at one time. See, most realtors, your mother-in-law is a, a realtor, your Aunt Fred is, your Aunt, your Aunt Fred, your Aunt Fredina, is a, your Uncle Fred is a realtor. He doesn't have any of that stuff because he's, he's a local guy. He's a local gal. They, you know, they don't, they, most of them really have no clue on the way you can find a property that's a bargain property in another state. Now, I recommend that you buy your first few close to home so you can learn how to ride the bicycle close to home, but once you learn how to ride this bicycle, you can go anywhere in the land. world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all I want you to come away with our podcast today is like, hmm, maybe I've been thinking about this wrong. Maybe I've been lied to, or maybe maybe it wasn't a, a potential, uh, I mean, a, a real lie. They really weren't trying to lie to me. They just didn't know that there are other ways of doing this. But you know why they don't know it? Because they've never done it. You know, most of the realtors, you got to ask them, do you own real estate? Most of them do not own real estate. They might own their own home. But in terms of rental real estate, they just don't commercial real estate, mm -hmm. you know, I'll bet you one in 10 realtors will have a, an, an investment property. So when you go to somebody who wants to help you buy an investment property and you ask them that question, do you own an investment property? And more than likely, the reason they don't is because they're, they're operating off of lies off of misinformation. That's therefore, right. that's why they're not getting into it themselves. And therefore, do you really want to deal with a person who is looking through the, the lens of the, of the glasses of a realtor who really doesn't know what he or she is talking about? And no, you don't want that. You want to deal with a, a rental realtor, a realtor who does, does rentals and understands it. Well, thank you so much, Robert. And thank you for uncovering the mystery of flipping as we've been live before. So thank you so much for giving us so much information You're about welcome. flipping. And we are super excited to see you guys on our next episode. Thank you. Hey!